0: Hello and welcome, everybody, to episode number thirteen, I believe, of the Pensburg Podcast. I am Garrett Bahana, joined once again by Jim Rixner and Jim. This is a a crazy time in the NHL, a crazy time for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, you know, as we record this podcast, the NHL's trading deadline has just passed, and uh, the trading deadline has passed with the Pittsburgh Penguins making a couple of moves to improve. Uh, improve their blue line and get uh, defensive depth as they try and and bolster their, their team for a, a hopeful playoff berth. So, Jimmy, let, let's get right into tra- some trade deadline talk, The obviously the most pressing topic at hand. And uh, the, the biggest move prior to the 3 o'clock trading deadline uh, on the 25th of February was uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins acquiring defenseman Eric Goodbranson from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for forward Tanner Pearson, in what appears to be a, a straight one-for-one one deal, uh, with I, I don't believe any type of salary was retained. So, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, the early returns on Eric Goodbranson, you know, aren't very aren't very promising from you know a, an advanced analytical aspect uh, when looking at the game. Boy, I, I really I don't know where to begin looking at Eric Branson and his time with the Vancouver Canucks. Analytically speaking, he he was never an analytics darling. You know, he he seemed to be quite a a very, very subpar defender. You know, to put it bluntly, this looks like quite a bad trade for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I I don't want to be overblown, and I don't want to be overanalytical and overcritical of a trade that has just so recently happened. But so far, the the very, very early returns for Eric Goodbranson don't look to be very promising for a Pittsburgh blue line that, as it currently stands, without the services of Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin, things don't look very promising at all from from a Penguins fans perspective.
1: You need to be really critical about a trade before a game's even played, but yeah, you know, this one looks terrible from the Penguins perspective. Good Branson, probably one of the worst defensemen in the league. The you know the only thing he has going for him really is he's six foot five, he's right handed. And he's he's a tough customer, which makes you wonder how much of a knee jerk reaction this was from recently. We saw the Penguins last week against San Jose get pushed around a little bit, a lot, a lot bit with Evander Kane taking some liberties, working into their, their huddle, and then sparking a fight. And then, of course, in the outdoor game, we saw Wayne Simmons cross the region, win high, and then a couple of flyers playing on Tish LaTang and injure him. So he's, you kind of got this feeling that Jim Lutheran he likes his toughness, that maybe he wanted a big guy that, that was out there that wouldn't let them get pushed around like that. There's not too many candidates all, and um and I guess, is one, but his, his metrics, everything about him, makes him look worse than Jack Johnson. But Jim was going last week, he was upset with how the Jack Johnson contract and situation has been received by the fans and media. I don't see how in the world he's going to be too pleased with this one because Right now, everyone is just worsening the Penguins, possibly for good reason. I, I mean, we'll see how it goes, I guess. But yeah, right now it looks like the Penguins got a dud of a player who's not really going to help them. And just another bad defenseman is only going to make things worse. So never encouraging at this point in the game.
0: I really don't want to go off on a tangent on Jim Rutherford and, and looking at the transactions he's made because, on, on one hand, you look at Jim Rutherford's tenure here in Pittsburgh, in a business, in a sport that is measured by championship wins, Rutherford has done exactly that twice, back in back-to-back years, obviously, with this core of Sidney Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Kessel, who at one point... At one point, with Ray Shiro and Dan Biles in charge, it looked like this core of players wasn't going to do anything after the 2009 Stanley Cup win. Jim Rutherford comes in and you know, catch, really catches lightning in a bottle in 2016 and 2017, winning those back-to-back championships, but now being a couple of years removed from this championship, this championship run, looking at the transactions that Jim Rutherford has made as general manager since then, I'm sorry, but it's hard to find a lot of positivity looking at the transactions that Rutherford has made. And we, we can go down a list and, and look at the players that Rutherford had acquired and, in the same token, given away. The likes of Ante, Niemi, come to mind. Uh, Derek Grant, Carl Hagelin is gone. Connor Sherry is gone. Tanner Pearson is now gone. And the players that he's brought in, jack johnson and now eric goodbranson i just don't know what to make of jim rutherford's philosophy at this point of how he wants to win games when when this this core of players and the playing style was so heavily so heavily focused on speed and skill and the transition game to get them to those two stanley cups and now you using this this philosophy of grit and speed and tenacity and whatever other adjective you want to use to describe a guy like good Branson or Jack Johnson being quote unquote, shut down defenseman. It, it, in my opinion, it's just mind boggling. I I don't understand. I don't understand why a sudden change in philosophy and you know, let's be blunt. You said it. The Jack Johnson contract has really received a, a lot of flack from fans and media and rightly so anybody who takes an inkling to look at or e- to look at or even understand the metrics, some of the advanced metrics that Jack Johnson has comes to the realization that he's not a very good defenseman and hasn't been a very good defenseman for quite some time, which led to him being a healthy scratch in the in Columbus just last year. And lo- looking at the eye test, even if you don't subscribe to advanced analytics and, and, and you're 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 an old school fan who just uses the eye test. To just gauge a player 's performance on the ice, even looking at what Jack Johnson does on the ice without any type of analytic or statistic put next to him, most of the time he doesn 't look like a, a competent defenseman on the ice and, and you know to to avoid from just exploding anymore on jim Rutherford I, jimmy i I, I guess i 'll just hand the discussion over to you and and, and get your input in here but i 'm really at a loss for words at what this team has turned into over the course of the last year and a half, looking at the transactions that Jim Rutherford has made, put really put an anchor on this Pittsburgh Penguins team, and it's it's a far cry from what this team was just a year and a half to two years ago.
1: Right, I mean, a lot of the Penguins' success in 2016, 2017, you have to give Rutherford a lot of credit with the guys he brought in, whether it was Patrick Hornquist, Phil Castle, Justin Schultz, a lot of that backbone of, of the, you know, those core superstars were there, but all the moves he made around it seemed to pay even in spades. And I think we saw starting last year, his moves were paying off, whether it was bringing in Ryan Reeves and trading him, whether it was bringing in Derek Brassard and he didn't do much. Like, all, all the moves Rutherford's tried to to make just haven't worked. And it's been odd. Like, Tanner Pearson, I saw a stat, has some, only a few players on Pittsburgh have more five-on-five goals since Tanner Pearson got to Pittsburgh. And they traded him away pretty easily. And I didn't some things were down on him, but he did score nine goals in about half a season with the Penguins. And so that's on pace for, you know, about 18 goals in a season, which that's good for a middle six winger. And that's what you need. So to trade that guy who's still young, a pretty good two-way player, just for a defenseman, that's an absolute tire fire in his end. I mean, could Branson even said, I think, in the interview going out of Vancouver, that things weren't going his way this year. It's been a really rough year. I know a lot of people don't put stock in plus-minus, but he, the Branson has the worst plus-minus in the whole league, so you can see that he, his goals are flying by him left and right. He doesn't add a lot offensively. He's not a great puck mover. He doesn't make good decisions, and he can't defend. So it's tough to see like what Rutherford thinks is going to happen because maybe they know something we don't because you would even think at this point, you've got Jack Dawson and Marcus Pedersen in the third pair, we Mada and Schultz for the second if Mada's healthy and able to come back? And Brian Dugland and Chris Letang on the first pair, assuming Letang's able to come back. So where, where do you need the Branson for in that? I, I mean, maybe they know at this point we're guessing that maybe Mata is not going to be able to come back. And In that case, it makes a lot more sense to bring in a defenseman like this. But the whole thing is just a head scratcher. Because on the surface level, not a lot is really adding up. Um, for the Pittsburgh to, to trade a, a fairly decent forward with something to offer for a defenseman who's not going to do much. I mean, you might as well have caught up Jack Poppin or Kevin Fitzman from the AHL, and they could have done, I'm sure, what the brands about to do for Pittsburgh. So there, that is an interesting point that you make, that Rutherford's moves in the past couple of years have just either backfired or not worked out. And the really crazy thing is, you can almost tell a mile away that jack johnson everyone said this is going to not work well this this is going to be a disaster and sure enough it has been Eric DeBranston hasn't even played a game yet for the penguins and people are just almost riding in the streets it seems like over, over what's going on so it's it's weird that like all the fans can realize that these are bad news and they actually turn out to be bad news and i don't know what that says but it, it can't say anything good right now for jim rutherford and his future and what the, the the penguins, I don't know where they are from here. To be
0: honest, you bring up a good point there at the at the end of at the end of what you were talking about regarding the future of Jim Rutherford and 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 looking at what looking at what the average fan has at their disposal in, in terms of you know wanting to go out and, and look at some of these advanced analytics and even some of the baseline regular statistics that are measured to analyze defensemen in the NHL for as much stock as as you and I, and maybe uh, a couple of other writers here, you, you know, in this, in this, in this uh, sphere of, of online bloggers, you know, who, you know, historically put a decent amount of stock into advanced analytics for telling at least part of a story uh, regarding a, a certain player and, and how they contribute to their team. As it pertains to Jack Johnson and Erica Branson, all it takes is a quick Google search for, for anyone to do, um, a- as long as you spend some time, you know, digesting these advanced analytics, uh, you know, Corsai and Fenwick, and seeing how, how these analytics tell part of a story for how good or how bad a player has been. I think that's where, that's part of where these fans come from. In their in their um, in their defense for not wanting to sign Jack Johnson and not wanting to trade for a guy like Eric Good, Eric Goodbranson, the the rise of advanced analytics in hockey, for as much of a of a double edged sword as it is for uh, a lot of old school hockey minds, and that's where I'm going to go into my next point. Um, it, it's become quite a helpful tool for for both fans and. People in the hockey operations departments as well. A guy like Kyle Dubas and the and the Toronto Maple Leafs comes to mind, and I'm sure I think the Washington Capitals you could use them as another example for using uh, their analytics department to make these sound trades and these sound free agent signings. And then you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins and you look at Jim Rutherford. And I'm going to describe him and say he's an old school general manager and, you know, maybe he really doesn't put that kind of stock in advanced analytics as some other teams do. And you could say that's a positive or a detriment to the team. You could lean either which way. I'm going to go out and I'm going to say if Jim Rutherford is just going to pay lip service. To advanced analytics, and with the Penguins having uh, an analytics department of their own, you know how much how much stock is Rutherford putting into this this department that the Penguins have. You know, Sa- Sam Ventura is the guy that you know the Penguins hired a couple of years ago to effectively lead their analytics department. And now with the recent signing of Jack Johnson and the trade for Erica Branson, you kind of shake your head and go, "What is the point of this analytics department?" If Jack, John- if, if or excuse me, if Jim Rutherford is going to make a trade for a guy like Eric Gabranson it's mind boggling to me. And there, there comes a point where you have to sit down and say, is this general manager doing more harm than good in the short term and the long term for a franchise? And, you know, we said at the beginning of the podcast, it, it's still in its very, very, very early stages to judge a guy like Eric Gabranson, But Jack Johnson's been here for the majority of this season. And we have... We have statistics that go back on both Johnson and Goodbranson that show just how bad defensive defenders they are. For jo- for Jim Rutherford not to use these analytics at his disposal to make sound transactions when other teams around the NHL are 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 properly implementing analytics. It's it's almost infuriating for for a person like me, you know, who's devoting time to studying these analytics, you know, seeing who the good players and the bad players are based on these stats. And then for Jim Rutherford to defy all of this, go out and make a trade for a good Branson type player. And then you and I and everyone else who writes about this team sit there and left to watch them and write about them when we know. It, things aren't just looking good for the team at the moment, just based on the the personnel that they have. We can segue into the the discussion about Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin and Oli Mata's injury for the time being. But, you know, just to get off my soapbox and, and, and let you interject your thoughts into this conversation, the non-usage of the analytics department for the Pittsburgh Penguins is really showing at the moment with, with the recent signing and the trade for Branson.
1: The name you brought up, Sam Ventura... He's the founders of the website War on Ice, which was, as you know, but as maybe our listeners won't, he was one of, really a leader of the stats revolution in hockey, and one of the leading voices on the cutting edge of, of developing cool ways to track players and everything, and I mean, Sam Benitura, he has a PhD in statistics, so he's obviously a brilliant, brilliant person, knows the data, knows the sport of hockey, coaches hockey, like, he's the guy you want on your team, and the Penguins have him, and yeah, they're obviously, there's, there's no way in the world if the decision was left up to him that the Penguins sign Jack Johnson or the Penguins trade for Ethan Branson. I mean, that's the type of player that really gets made fun of and made a cautionary tale because they, they don't provide very much value, especially compared to their salary or compared to their reputation. And this goes to show, I mean, Jim Rutherford, he is an old school GM. Um, like I was saying earlier, I think to understand why he did this, you Go back to what I said about San Jose. Pittsburgh gets pushed around, gets pushed around in Philadelphia. I think he sees that and he wants to add a physical element. He wants to add somebody big, somebody tough, and then he just goes and makes it happen. And we definitely see Musk is impulsive. I think he's traded, he'll trade, closely trade four players, trade them away. Some people say it's. Are they going to try to solve that in the summer and get faster and, and more skill? It's always harder to do that, so I guess we'll have to to see how he goes on that side. But yeah, it's it's definitely linked really to for Marcus. I think he's always just made these decisions and of the vision he's chasing and why he changed his course or changed his mind remains to be seen. But I definitely think it has something to do with his star players getting pushed around a little bit, whether it's Malkin or Batang or Dumoulin. And he wants to protect those guys, which makes sense in theory, but I think the way he went about
0: it was very wrong. I completely agree with you. I, I mean, going back to last season, when this idea of getting tougher and, and grittier was being floated around, and then Rutherford goes out to sign, to trade for Ryan Reeves at the, the NHL draft, and then ships him at the following trade deadline in, in the deal that brought Derek Broussard to Pittsburgh, so the philosophy of getting grittier and tougher has gone back even uh, you know as far as the acquisition for Ryan Reeves. But then Reeves gets shipped out. Then, as you said, the 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 big hulking defenseman Jamie Alexiak gets shipped out at half the price that Eric Goodbranson is now here for. The philosophy that Jim Rutherford has—it's so hard to pinpoint. You know what what Jim Rutherford is is thinking most of the time. Because it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Who, who was that big body? Who, who, who was the guy that you could sit there and point at and say, you know, that was, that was the gritty, the, the sandpaper fourth liner that really protected our players when they needed protected the most? Who was that guy? Who, who was that guy that they relied upon to win them those two Stanley Cups when during that run of two Stanley Cups, they relied on speed and skill? I'm having a hard time, you know, thinking about the, the gritty sandpaper guy who, let's face it, the, the gritty fourth line sandpaper guy does really nothing to add hardly any offense to a team. And and it's been that way for, for how long now? Going back to the discussion we've had about advanced analytics, that grittier, hulky fourth line guy who's there to quote unquote protect stars contributes nothing to the team yeah sure Ryan Reeves could skate a little bit and he scored a goal here and there but in terms of his possession metrics they they weren't anything to you, you know write home about the same goes for Eric Goodbranson now and Jack Johnson you know having that big bodied guy to protect stars from you know the the stuff that was happening with Evander Kane against San Jose and in the stadium series game against the Flyers I guess to an extent it's a valid point but it's a point it's a theory. It's a philosophy that I don't personally subscribe to. I, I don't want to speak for you, Jimmy, about you know how you would like to see this 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 team this team run in terms of player personnel, but you know they win those two championships with speed and skill. There is no, there's really no need to acquire a guy that gritty sandpaper type guy when the blueprint is already there, and the blueprint was was created and formed around this very team that won those two Stanley Cups. They won the Stanley Cups because of the acquisitions of you know the, the Phil Kessel and you know the, the the call-ups of Gensel and Sherry and Rust and all of them. And all of those players proved to be positive positively impacting the the core of Crosby and Malkin and Kessel. It's a shame to see where this team has gone because the the notion just just to finish off this point, the notion of that gritty sandpaper guy, is useless, in my opinion. There's no need for that on this team. And there's no reason, because at this point, I'm just banging my head into a brick wall because there's nothing that I can do or seemingly anyone can do to get into Jim Rutherford's head to say, fix this. You, you've made mistakes here that are potentially irreversibly damageable to this team, not only in the short term, but the long term. And I say the long term because Look at the contracts that Jack Johnson and Eric Goodbranson have for at least the next two seasons. $7.25 million of the salary cap will be devoted to the contracts of Jack Johnson and Eric Goodbranson, two below-level replacement players who are going to provide absolutely nothing to this team. And it's just infuriating to watch how this team has spiraled i don't know out out of control isn't the right word but backtracked to the philosophy that got them the championships and now to watch what they've become it's infuriating from a fan's perspective and a writer's perspective knowing that again knowing that these advanced statistics are there and they are in the penguins facility ready to be used at a moment's notice but it's a flat out refusal to use them by the general manager and like you said you described it perfectly the knee-jerk reaction of Jim Rutherford to wanting to get tougher to quote unquote, protect the stars. And I'm all for protecting Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and and Chris Letang and Phil Kessel from, from catastrophic injury because those players without those players, the chances of going anywhere significantly decrease. But I mean, to this extent, to this extent of of acquiring a guy like Eric Goodbranson now having Jack Johnson, it's, it's 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 mind boggling to me. I'm I'm again, I'm just at a loss for words for, for what's happened.
1: And then now it's a tough one to take, so I guess we'll just have to see what happens and hope for the best because right now like hope goes about the only thing you can do is that against all odds, maybe it's it's not gonna be as monstrous as it looks. But right now, yeah, it definitely like this is putting up for a great stretch run, but well, the boat they're in right now. They chose to be, so
0: we'll just have to see how it goes. Exactly. Uh, I Yeah, they they made their bed. Now they're going to have to sleep in it. And yep. you know, to to your point, you know, the, the hope is Eric Goodbranson was on the Vancouver Canucks, a notoriously, uh, no, a notoriously bad team for the last several seasons. <laughs> the hope is that Goodbranson can come here and, you know, the the defense whisperer Sergey Gonchar can you know, perform some, some more of his voodoo magic to see if he can turn good Branson around. But again, to your point, uh, the, the odds of that looking as of right now in the very preliminary stages right after the trade deadline, it uh, does not look very promising, but it will surely set up for an interesting stretch run, like you said, to say the very least, to see where this team can go now that all of these pieces are in place and really no more big acquisitions can be made now until the end of the season. So Jimmy, we, we live and ride and die with this team, no matter what. I'm no bandwagon or fairweather fan. And I know you aren't either. So uh, one way or another, we're going to watch this team either skyrocket or crash and burn. So it's going to be fun to watch to the very end to see if they can, they can make it to the playoffs with this roster. It's going to be, it's going to be something I can tell you that much.
1: Definitely. Uh, Cause the, The race itself is so tight, and I think you look at it, Columbus definitely, definitely improved themselves by adding Matt Duchesne, by adding Ryan Dezingle. That gives them a lot of firepower, a lot of extra offensive muscle. So, they're just neck and neck racing, and that makes the Tuesday game all the more important. I think the Penguins and Blue Jackets play each other three more times within the next couple weeks, even. So, all of those games are definitely going to have a playoff feel, and and really the most important games on the schedule just about Washington isn't too far away but they keep winning. Carolina and Montreal also very important from here on out to watch how their games go and hopefully they lose some and give Pittsburgh a little extra push in and, and changes here. But it's an unusual position really to see this team having this scoreboard watch and kind of hope to pull it out and that's not very comforting either but the, the so hope to, take to you know, against, against the Lions, it looks like to
0: be able to do well. absolutely, and you know we've been so steadfast and focused on the good Branson trade and the talk surrounding that that you're right. we haven't even begun to mention what the teams in in the metropolitan Division have even done to bolster their team, and really the the rest of the Eastern Conference and the rest of the league for that matter. I believe, like you said, uh Columbus acquired Matt Duchesne from Ottawa. Did they acquire Ryan Dezingle as well, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. So right then and there, those two forwards immediately make that team better. And it looks like, at least from the point post-trade deadline, that Columbus Columbus is ready. They, they are gearing up and and hopefully ready to make a deep run keeping uh, artemi panarin and sergey bobrovsky but you know if there's one thing about the columbus blue jackets in the playoffs and there's one thing about sergey bobrovsky uh, it's that uh, bobrovsky hasn't been able to uh, take the torch very far in the postseason but that's a discussion for another time and, and another podcast but again to your point like you mentioned the, the last remaining stretch on the schedule and you brought it up talking that the penguins still have to play columbus three more times before the end of the regular season it's going to be fun to examine both of these rosters on, play, on paper, presuming everybody, you know, is healthy to their fullest extent. And, you know, look at the changes Columbus made to their roster compared to the changes Pittsburgh made to their roster and, you know, examine and project who may or may not go further once, uh, if or when, you know, a playoff position has been decided.
1: It is kind of ironic since, Um, mainly last year, but a little bit even this year, with all the rumors about Matt Duchesne and the Penguins and the Penguins trying to track him down, it ends up that he goes to Columbus, who is a division zone and even future potential Pittsburgh playoffs opponent. So it's kind of funny how the the fates worked out that way, that Duchesne joins a rival instead of the Penguins, but that's what it means sometimes. uh, It's never bad to hear, at least I think in ways that um they're checking in on all these possibilities, but it does still and it does just kind of make it sting all the more when they bring back guys like, like the Branson, you just wonder what else is out there what could be
0: And to your point, Jimmy, just to add on there, you know the the Penguins were right to do their due diligence regarding Matt Duchesne. And then they eventually settle for Derek Broussard in a trade that you know, we can make the argument now, looking at Broussard's value, that the Penguins gave up a whole hell of a lot to get Derek Broussard, uh, being a very top goaltending prospect prospect in uh Philip Gustafson and a first round pick. And now Matt Duchesne is in Columbus. Derek Broussard was traded to acquire Nick Bukstad and Jared McCann. He was sent to Florida, and then and then just as the trade deadline came to an end, Derek Broussard was traded to the Colorado Avalanche. So, you know, just to put a bow on this in terms of the Penguins acquisitions, they've almost had to settle for, you know, the the less than ideal, the second or third best candidate. um, You you know, when looking at a guy like a, a Dzingle or a Duchesne, seeing how they were available and, you know, as you said, fate has a pretty funny way of working out. And now Duchesne and Dzingle are both with a division rival. Things don't look they don't look bright. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at that. They don't look bright for the time being. Just looking at pure player personnel in terms of the Metropolitan and Eastern Conference. But we've seen stranger things happen. Uh, we we've seen stranger things happen around the NHL, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and that's a good thing to keep everyone, I guess, on this is probably our most negative podcast to date. but that's absolutely right. I mean, all you have to do is make the playoffs and it's a new season, you never know. I mean, We've seen so many times whether it's even a number seven or number eight seed that makes it all the way to the Stanley Cup finals, if not wins it. You never know when that could happen. All you got to do is get in, and then maybe Phil Kessel starts looking like himself. Maybe Malkin starts giving it in here. We you know Crosby and Gentle have been great all season long. So, I mean, for the Penguins, it, it kind of looks like maybe they self sabotaged a little bit with some of what they've chosen and done. But I think at the same time, you have to admit, the core of their team is good They've they this, this year. They haven't really showed, I think, as, as everyone knows, what they're really capable of, which is disturbing on one hand, but on the other hand, it's kind of encouraging because it's like, well, if they can just get it together, if they have saved their best hockey, maybe for March and April and May, they'll and a the goal and that, that could go well. So I think that, that's a possibility, especially since the Highlanders might be a some kind of and That's where it doesn't really Penguins get in that side of the basket um, the Capitals get Carl got with and, 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 and Jensen so they got a little better around the edges but they're pretty much the same team and they've been inconsistent so I think when you look at it you could, you could be negative right now and I think there's another reason to be really uncertain and unsettled with some of the decisions that the have made but at the same time I mean you got Tim Crosby who's playing really well on both sides of the point Malcolm Kessel will hopefully Latane will be back, and I think you know the sky's the limit. Really, it's still anyone's game if you can make it into the playoffs. Then who knows what could happen next?
0: Absolutely, you, you take the the glass half full approach. I, I agree. This core is going to take them, however far they go. Uh, the The power lies in the core of Latane, Crosby, Malkin, Kessel. And Matt Murray. You know, I, I I agree to your point. If they do get hot in the middle of March, end of March, beginning of April, there's no telling how far this team can go, even with the handicaps on on defense. So on one hand, yes, keep a positive outlook to the future and hope that the penguins the sky isn't falling. The penguins do clinch a playoff spot and we go from there. On the other hand, if you were more of a realist or uh keep a more glass half empty kind of approach. You could say that the moves at the trade deadline that the Penguins have made have doomed them for this season and potentially down the road, uh, heading into next season and for seasons even after that. But Jimmy, I think that just about covers it for this, for this uh, brief trade deadline episode of the Pennsburg podcast. Uh, Do you have anything left you want to add regarding the Penguins or the trade deadline before uh, we call it a show?
1: No, I guess that would be it. Um you know, it doesn't look I think if you have to grade it, I would probably grade this like a D minus trade deadline for the Tanges. I don't I don't think they got better on the ice, but at least they didn't trade a first round pick away for something, so I guess you just gotta hope really that Jimlin and Latang are healthy and are very soon. Same with Olimata and maybe they can just minimize it. Uh it would have been nicer to see them get better, but at this point it kind of is what it is, so we'll just have to see how this one
0: Absolutely. And uh, it will surely be an interesting stretch run for the Penguins for sure. That will just about do it for this breaking trade deadline edition of the Pennsburg Podcast. I have been Garrett Bahana. You can find me on Twitter at bahana G-B-E-H. A N N A. My co-host has been Jim Rixner, Hooks Orpic. You can find him on Twitter at hooks underscore Orpic. Follow uh, all of our accounts on Twitter at Pensburg and get notified when a new episode of this Pensburg podcast goes live. Follow the podcast Twitter account at Pensburg Pod at Pensburg P O D. Send any correspondences you'd like to an email address. We have uh, the email addresses Pensburg Podcast at Gmail. Dot com. If you like what you're listening to, if you feel that this trade deadline episode of the Pensburg podcast has enlightened your day, feel free to give us a five-star rating on your streaming service of choice, whether that be iTunes, Sound, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. We really appreciate it, knowing that the hard work we're putting in trying to deliver this breaking news to all of our loyal uh, readers and listeners is paying off. For Jim Rixner, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to another great episode of the Pensburg podcast.